There are moments that come along unexpectedly, moments where the foundation of our our life or our marriage is rattled. John and Donna Bishop experienced one of those moments 15 years ago. Everything was just great. We were just having a great time serving the Lord, our boys and our families. And then all of a sudden that night he got sick and the pain in the back of his head just got severe. And he said, you're going to have to take me to the hospital. So I took him to the hospital. And When I woke up from meningitis, I did not know her. I, I really didn't know anything. I had a very unusual case of amnesia that it, I didn't just forget names and people. I forgot everything. This is Family Life Today. Our host is the president of Family Life, Dennis Rainey, and I'm Bob Lapine. What happens to a marriage when all of a sudden, all the memories, all of the past is gone? Stay tuned. And welcome to Family Life Today. Thanks for joining us. This is going to be a it's going to be a powerful week for our listeners. It is. In fact, Bob, uh, you and I both uh, talked about this interview that our listeners are about to hear. It's a top five broadcast. Mm-hmm. You and I have been doing uh, interviews for, uh, well, coming up on 16 years. That's that's a few people mm-hmm. kind of looking across at you, and I'm kind of going, that's a long, that's a long You're an time. old-looking guy. Kind of, we're kind of, kind of getting <laughs> conjur- conjurers in here. But I'm going to tell you. Pull up a chair, get you a cup of coffee or a Coke or a glass of water. This week, you are going to hear an incredible, compelling story of the goodness of God and the love of God. This is another one of those love stories, Bob, hmm. that Hollywood just knows very little about. Mm-hmm. This is a love story right from the pages of Scripture. Yeah, you're going to meet John and Donna Bishop today. They were married back in 1974. Uh, John is a pastor and an evangelist. They live in Rosebud, Arkansas, which is in uh, north-central Arkansas. It's just near uh, Hopewell, which is a suburb of Heber Springs. Oh, now folks have got it perfectly in mind. They know exactly, they know where, exactly that. where that is. <laughs> John and Donna have three sons, and uh, as you're about to find out, their story is a remarkable one. Last night, I was at the airport picking Barbara up, and I'm, I'm sitting down right outside of security. And a young lady comes walking up who has got a sweatshirt on that says Rosebud on it. (laughs) Now, that's not going to mean a lot to anybody who's not from central Arkansas. Right. I'm from central Arkansas, and it doesn't mean a whole lot to me. (laughs) (laughs) But but I I thought of our guests on the program today – uh, John and Donna Bishop, and and I heard you, John, describe Rosebud as a town that had how many people in it? How'd you describe it? Four hundred people when everybody home. <laughs> <laughs> so I thought they've got to know the bishops, and so I turned this young lady, and John and Donna. She's your neighbor, but I figure with 400 people in town, everybody's your everybody's neighbor. your neighbor. <laughs> You have a a unique story that uh, we just wanted our listeners to hear, and it started in in 1995. Yes. What what was taking place in your life 
before this this real story started uh, to be told? All I remember is from 1995 to this day. I remember nothing before that. So everything about my life is what that happened beforehand is what I've been told. And my wife, her name Donna, but I call her my Donna. And um, when I woke up from meningitis, I did not know her. I didn't know me, my name. I didn't know. Uh, I really didn't know anything. I had a very unusual case of amnesia that it, I didn't just forget names and people. I forgot everything. I didn't know how to eat. I'd forgotten how to chew food and uh, had to eat baby food. I don't blame babies being grouchy if you had to eat that long. And uh, <laughs> oh, So, okay, I'm going to stop you right there. Okay. Since, since Donna does know what was taking place in your life right. up to 1995, I'm going to turn to her. Describe your lives in uh, the 1990s, Donna. What what was uh, John doing and you? what were you up to? Okay, we were pastoring a church there in Heber Springs, and we had a good church. I, we enjoyed everything was going great. We had three uh, sons, and they were growing up. We also worked on our youth camp there, lived on the campground and started the youth camp, and we were just, um, I always say it was a perfect life. You know, everything was just great. We were just having a great time serving the Lord, our boys and our families, and then all of a sudden that night he got sick, and the pain in the back of his head just got severe, and he said, you're going to have to take me to the hospital. So I took him to the hospital. and So it came on in an instant like that? One he'd been night? A, no, he'd been a little sick, just having headaches and so forth. And then it just started getting severe that night. And uh, we just took him to the hospital. Were you scared? In a way, you know, because the pain just kept getting worse, you know. So, But, you know, you always think, oh, we can take him to the hospital and they'll be fine. You know, be home tomorrow. Right. <laughs> but uh, he wasn't home tomorrow. So When you got to the hospital, what did they tell you? They weren't for sure. And uh, they... We're putting him on. Of course, they needed to take a spinal tap, and we signed for that. And they took a spinal tap, and somewhere in the process of that being brought to Little Rock, it was uh, they said compromised. So something was happened to the spinal tap. So they didn't know for sure what he had, hmm. but they were treating him for like four major diseases, um, and that meningitis was one of them. Uh, he was there about five days, six days, and and he got to feeling better. And, and of course, once men start feeling better, they want to get out of that hospital. <laughs> right. And he, so he got out of the hospital and came home, and it was almost one month of the day he got out of the hospital is really when the I believe the damage was done, or that's when something happened that uh, he was sitting in his rocking chair, had his devotions over in a rocking chair, and he just kept sitting there and sitting there and and I thought, okay, you know, <laughs> let's get on with, you know, things. And he just kept sitting there. And so I went over and shook him, and he couldn't wake up. He couldn't. He's just kind of staring off. And I said, John, what's the matter, John? And I was talking to him, and he just couldn't answer me. And so finally I called the boys in, and we was trying to get him to talk or move. And so I asked him, I said, John, if you can hear me, blink your eyes. And he slowly blinked his eyes, said that he could hear me. And then, of course, we took him, you know, back to the doctor and— it was just from there on, it's been slow go. <laughs> now, the diagnosis was aseptic meningitis. Yes, sir. And this response a month after the initial diagnosis, this is not what usually happens to people who have meningitis, is it? No, sir. You know, I'm not sure. You know, I don't know. I'm not a doctor, but, you know, I don't know if we didn't give the medicine long enough or, or exactly what it is, but I know the Lord has a reason for it. Hmm. And um, so, because that was when everything started 
going downhill, he might say to us, you know, because everything, because he couldn't walk, and we had to help him around, and and uh, his eyes were distorted, so he couldn't drive, and he couldn't really. Well, he didn't know how to read. He forgot how to read. And ultimately. He lost all of his memory prior to 1995. Yes, sir. And I kept thinking, okay, now he'll get it back. So, you know, he didn't remember marriage or wedding. And so I get our photo album out and I said, don't you remember, you know, and I try to trick him <laughs> to say, okay, now I know he's, he can remember something. And we just, I just kept trying to go back and, and – but he just doesn't have anything. In 1995, you'd been married how long? Uh, 24 years. 24 years. Had three children. You were pastoring a church, and you'd started a ranch. Yes, sir. What's the ranch all about? It's a youth camp, church youth camp for boys and girls that come there. So here's all these things he's done prior to 1995 he has no recollection of. No, sir. All right, John, back to you. Mm -hmm. I just want to know, were you aware when you were sitting in that chair reading your devotion that something was taking place within you? Or, or do you, you even remember? Do you remember that? No, I don't. I don't remember that. You know, Brother Dennis, we we didn't have uh, regular insurance at that time. What had happened is um, my wife told me while I pastoring, it was a fairly small church in a little community. So there she had a husband that couldn't read right. I took me near two years to learn walk. But we really couldn't go to Mayo Clinic or someplace to get help, you know, like that. And we did as much as we could in area, and uh, the Lord took care of us. We It took us five years to get all doctor bills paid off, but we did, hmm. and um, just month by month, you know. So when people are hurting financially, we know a little about what that was. And when we went through that, you know, and and I couldn't even sign my name, so they gave her, like, power of attorney to do those kind of things. I feel so sorry for her. And I asked her one day, I said, are, are we poor? And she said, no, we're just broke. And I felt better. <laughs> I'd rather be broke than poor. <laughs> but God took care of us, so... A lot of the reason we don't have as many answers is um, we couldn't afford to go out and do that. Mm. And, you know, there's families like that. But God is so good, and I just love him. He helped us through every little thing we've been through. And I've got two wonderful Christian doctors that have cared for me so wonderfully, even though we don't have insurance. John, how do you develop a relationship? with a wife that you don't remember marrying. Well, you, you didn't even know what marriage was, did you? No, I didn't. Uh, when she began to teach me, she said, you're John, I, Donna, we're married. And uh, the way I learned to talk, uh, Bob, in those early days, I'd watch people's lips move. I wasn't blind then. I've only been blind about eight months. But... Uh, I would watch people's lips move and put the sound with it. I said, Mary, Mary. And she said, oh, okay, you forgot that. That means you belong to me and I belong you. I look at her. I say, you my Donna? She said, yes. That's what I call her ever since, my Donna. Hmm. It was so easy to love her. She loved me so good. I tell people she taught me 
everything I know. I, every woman dream come true. <laughs> Her husband forget it all, and she get teach him. And um, <laughs> everything I know is what my wife taught me. And um, But uh, I tell everybody she taught me reading, writing, and kissing, and my favorite subject, kissing. That's my favorite one. So that didn't change then, No, huh? No, that didn't. I <laughs> I didn't. I I had a hard time finding her lips, but I kissed till I find them. That's what I do. <laughs> Donna, what kind of student was he? Uh, he worked hard. He really did. Um, he's a good, pretty good student. Sometimes when he's done, he's done. You know. <laughs> so, and sometimes he'd tell me. He said, "Remember, I'm the husband." <laughs> well, so he so, did find out what that meant. So yes, it didn't take him long to have that man thing. I guess. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> well, Donna, take us back to the part that he doesn't remember, but that you do. How did you guys meet? How did you fall in love? How did you get married? We went to Bible college together, and we met our senior year. And um, we, in fact, I asked him for the first date, and uh, we were having a dorm. Uh, what dorm- kind of Bible college was this? <laughs> where you're asking for the first date? We were having a dorm party, girls' dorm party, and so we'd ask. We was going out to camp, and and uh, so I asked him to come go along with us, and he was thrilled. And I told him he's been asking me ever since then. <laughs> and and what was it about John that attracted you? Um, he loved the Lord. I knew he loved the Lord. I knew he wanted to serve the Lord. He's a good worker, and mostly because he just loved the Lord. I could just You could just see it in his life. Every day he was always the same. How long did you date? We dated a year, about a year, not quite a year. How did he propose to you? He, of course, we'd gotten permission to be alone there on the campus. We was going to go to the chapel, and he's going to ask me. But chapel already had somebody in it, so we went to a classroom, and he asked me to marry him. Mm. And you you were married, started having children. Yes, sir. Your marriage uh, ever have any challenges in it in the early years? Um, of course, all marriages have challenges you have to work on. And You know, it, it strikes me at this point, you could really work him over because <laughs> he would have no way of, of rebutting. She it, has. <laughs> she has worked you over? A little bit. <laughs> but you, your marriage was tested in the early years? It was just, I think, just the normal things. We just, you know, kids and busyness and making sure we put each other first instead of our children and uh, just some pretty much normal. I mean, we were both happy and serving the Lord and thank the Lord for our children. Was I told the Lord after John became ill and all these things started happening, I said, you know, Lord, I was really happy the way I was <laughs> before you came in uh-huh. and um, came in here and changed things on our life. But, and let, me, uh, let me ask you about that because it's one thing to take your husband to the hospital and and maybe he comes home with a physical disability and now life is going to have to change because he has to use a walker or he's got to be in a wheelchair or he, he's got something physically th- that's an issue. But to have a husband come home, I had a friend describe your husband's condition by saying it's like a computer that had the hard disk completely erased. There's no mm-hmm. data left there. To have that be the situation and to be a wife and going, this is the man I went to Bible school with and raised my kids and he he can't remember any of it. Our our shared history is gone. That had to be – I can't even imagine the discouragement that you must have felt. It it was very discouraging and that's why I kept trying to, you know, do those tricks, trying to think, okay, he's got to remember something, you know. So we 
we've gone back and showed pictures and talk about things. And even when he sees like old movies of our boys or something, home movies we've had, he'll say, boy, that must have been funny, you know, because he can't put himself there because he, you know, doesn't remember being there. Mm-hmm. It, was, it was hard. It's almost like I had four boys instead of three. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so we had to start, I had to start all over again and um, we had four boys. I had and, three boys, and then John. <laughs> and he's your fourth one, and yes, now sir. now you don't have a husband to help you with your four boys. Mm-hmm. Yes, sir. Was there anything to prepare you for the kind of commitment this was going to take? I mean, marriage is a covenant, but this is a culture that doesn't really experience anything like what you're talking about, and yet they're bailing out on marriages left and right. I mean, your commitment was challenged to the core, wasn't it? Yes, sir. It sure was. I thank the Lord. I think the main reason was because I had a good home church when I grew up. My, I went to church faithfully. My parents loved each other, and I was always taught that when you're married, you're married for life. And uh, when you say for better, for worse, for, you know, in sickness and health, you're in for the long haul, you know. And so I never even thought about divorce. That never even crossed my mind. In a way, I guess I just busied myself into fixing the problem. You know, okay, we've got a problem here. We need to start working on it. And Lord, you just got to help give me wisdom to know. Because also all the decisions that he made as the husband now were put on me as far as my children and and how many doctors to go to and who to go to and who not to go to. And, you know, everybody was suggesting new things. And people were really wonderful for us to us because they would send us vitamins and, and things to help us. You know, they always wanting to help, you know, Brother John to get better. And I had to decide, should I give him these? Because if I gave him everything, <laughs> he couldn't take it all. <laughs> and uh, so he always teases me now. He said, yeah, you probably threw away or put in the shed something that would have made me well. <laughs> but But for years, facing those kinds of decisions, you could go to your husband and say, what do you think we should do? Help lead us here. And now it's a new chapter of life where you can't get him to do that, can you? I always tell ladies now, I say, listen, you need to thank the Lord for your husband's leadership. And uh, I mean, I was always thankful for my husband to make the decisions and so forth. But when you have to take that, when I had to take that role, it was just something that um, it made me appreciate the position that God has given me to be under my husband. And and um, so that he would that he could make those decisions for me. And so I'm just very thankful that, you know, I was taught those things and, and God's just really helped me through these things. And, and it was hard. Sometimes he would come back, you know, he'd get to feeling better, so he would make some decisions and so forth. And then a few days later he'd be sick again and I'd have to make the decisions. And that was a hard thing, you know. As a wife, you know, I, you know, I was doing pretty good making decisions and then he comes back and messes my, my plan up. And then, <laughs> then a few days later he's sick again and so I'm back into the decision role. And that's, it's a hard thing to give. And so I know a lot of times like husbands are gone for a period of time, the wife – that's that. That's a hard thing that to keep yourself as a wife in in the right position that God's put us in. And, and how old were those children at the time? My youngest was ten. The next one was like seventeen, and my other one was like twenty. Wow, two I think. There was a lot going on in your life just raising them. Yes, sir. Mm. Now, John, I want you to know we haven't forgotten you. Oh, okay. <laughs> we know you're here, but but we have to get a little bit of the drama that's taking place. Yes. You um. You came out of the hospital and arrived back home, and you were in a state of, was it almost like paralysis? I mean, or were you just, 
you couldn't walk. Mm-hmm. You couldn't talk. You could see. You had you had eyesight, right? Yes. Uh-huh. You, you could hear. Yes. But you didn't know how to eat. No, and I didn't know what words were. That's why I couldn't read or write. And my Donna taught me phonics finally, and my 10-year-old son would come home from school, sit on the couch, and help Daddy uh, learn to read. And um, my oldest son was in college, the other just finishing high school, then going college. But my family just so good to me. People were just so good. My church was so I remember even when she brought me home from hospital that one time and they opened the door of car, my dog, Golden Retriever, came over, put head in lap, and I said, even my dog loved me. <laughs> it wasn't really a bad world to wake up to because everybody in it loved me. <laughs> and, um, you know, my first memories of anything about life was um, my Donna rubbing my hand, telling me, I love you. It'll be all right. Everything will be all right. And um, You knew what those words meant? In some way, I did. Uh, she would have to then sort of point out to me what, like, words good and bad meant. And it's hard to really explain. Uh, it was just a blank. And so she would begin to do... Uh, teach me these different things, and um, and then as I began to pick up concepts, is what it was, and uh, the way I picked up on reading, I couldn't figure out what letters on books, how are they reading, till one day uh, she getting uh, she got me dressed for church and set me in the living room, and on coffee table was a kindergarten book she going to teach that morning Sunday school and big pictures Bible story and what I did Dennis I would listen to the Bible every day on tape because I couldn't read and I would listen to two tapes a day three hours and I remember when she told me what the Bible was see I didn't know what I was either I said what am I she said you're a preacher I said what a preacher is and she said, well, that's somebody tell others what God want them to know. And I said, wow, I couldn't be thing better that. You reckon, Lord, let me keep doing it? And I began to learn concepts. And when I saw those pictures and the big words underneath it, Moses and Red Sea, then I knew that was what I'd been listening to in Bible, and I hollered, Donna, I can read, I can read. <laughs> then huh. I knew what words were. Huh. And so that's how I began learning. How, yeah, How did you know who God was? You know, I knew I knew God, but I didn't know how I knew God. And matter of fact, in the hospital, um, one of my doctors said this, I would mumble things because I knew I was supposed to say things, but I didn't know how to. So... My doctor said the only word we could make out was the word God. And it was like, Dennis, I forgot everybody and everything but God. And But I didn't know how I knew him until through the Bible, listening. Of course, my family telling me you're a Christian, but I didn't know what that was. And, uh, you know, my church told me, and they loved me, and so forth. But it was a process of me learning and listening to the Bible and uh, 
what gave me the great assurance was Romans chapter 8, where he says, His Spirit bear witness with our spirit that we're children of God. And I'd gotten a little worried. I, You know, it was when I listened to the Bible, Judas Iscariot scared me because I thought, here a preacher that didn't really know or love the Lord. So I thought, just because I preacher doesn't mean I really know the Lord and just because people tell me. But when I listened to that verse, it was like God said, John, it my job tell you you're my child. That's my spirit witnessing. Hmm. And after that, I never had doubt after that I had that assurance in my heart from his word. That's how I know you, God. But I can't remember praying a prayer. I wrote it in my Bible as a teenage boy, and I've still got that. And some people, Dennis, just put a date. I wrote a whole page and I treasure that. God knew I'd lose it all one day. Huh. And I had a whole page. I was brought up in a lost home. My dad and stepdad had died before my illness, so I don't have any memory of them. But my mother was still alive. She with the Lord now. And Mama told me that uh, I, from an alcoholic home, she said, John, I'm glad you forgot your childhood. It was real rough. and uh, But she said, I led my dad to the Lord before he had died, my stepdad, and I led her to the Lord. You know, I told my family, don't tell me everything, just what I need to know, you know, because you don't really want to know everything sometime. So when I went to Mama's funeral, um, my aunt came up and said, John, you used to send your mom a rose every year for she was sober after she got saved. Huh. And I said, uh, Stella, what would this be? She said it'd be 12. And so I bought 12 roses and put there. Hmm. And my aunt and I knew what it was. And so uh, the Lord has been good to help me. And I'm so glad Mama got to she one day telling me about childhood. I said, boy, Mom, I didn't know I was such a good boy. She said, remember, I just tell the half of it. <laughs> <laughs> well, we've been listening today to part one of uh, an incredible story mm-hmm. as we uh, have talked to John and Donna Bishop about uh, what the Lord took them through. This is more than a decade ago now, Dennis, and you know, all of us, as we shared our vows with one another, getting married, we pledged for better, for worse, in sickness and in health. And we may have stopped to think, well, how bad can it be or how sick can somebody get? Who could imagine a scenario like this, like what Donna faced? It's it's remarkable. It it really is, Bob. And, and um, I just want to let our listeners in on a little secret. Don't miss – the rest of the story. <laughs> but what you've just heard is a well it just it does two things for me. Number one, it reminds me that God created family to be powerful. That story about his mom and honoring her for her right choices by giving her a rose every year when she was sober and then coming back at her memorial service and giving her 12 roses. Man, it's what family's all about. And you know, it, it just it declares 
the greatness of God, that he made family to work. And then the second thing, just the the love story that we've heard uh, of Donna Bishop hanging in there with her husband. I know we're talking to some some spouses right now who are hanging in there with the person they pledged uh, through sickness and in health for, for better, for worse. And right now, it's sickness and it's it's worse. You needed to hear the story to give you courage. And I, I just want to read you Paul's great writings about what love is because the world cheapens what love is and the Bible speaks so clearly. I'm not going to read all of it, but 1 Corinthians 13, verse 4, love is patient. Love is kind. It's not jealous, does not brag, and is not is not arrogant. Verse 7, it bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things. Now listen to these last three words. Endures all things. The only way you get that kind of love is by knowing the God. The God who redeemed John and Donna Bishop and who put that kind of love in their hearts for one another. And and that's the... As they used to say, that's the genuine article. Mm-hmm. That's not the pseudo-imitation kind of love that is so prevalent in the culture today or that you see represented in movies or television shows. It's it's the real thing, the bone-deep, committed, sacrificial love for one another. And Dennis, right after we had finished talking with the bishops, uh, I asked if I could get a couple of copies of the the CD of the interview because I meet with a group of guys on Wednesday night and I wanted them to hear the conversation. And uh, those guys came back the following Wednesday and they said, uh, can we get more copies of that CD? We've got friends we want to send it to. There are people who need to hear this powerful story. Uh, And we do have CDs of our conversation with John and Donna available in our Family Life Resource Center. If you are interested in getting a copy or multiple copies to share with friends, go to our website, familylife.com, where there's more information about how to order the CD of this conversation and how you can get multiple copies if you'd like. Again, the website is familylife.com, or just call us at 1-800-FL-TODAY, one 800 358 6329, and someone on our team will let you know how you can get a copy of the CD sent to you. Now, we want to invite you back tomorrow. Uh, We're going to begin to look carefully at what it took for John and Donna Bishop to rebuild their life and their marriage together after John's memory had been completely erased. I hope you can join us for that. I want to thank our engineer today, Keith Lynch, and our entire broadcast production team. On behalf of our host, Dennis Rainey, I'm Bob Lapine. We'll see you back next time for another edition of Family Life Today. Family Life Today is a production of Family Life of Little Rock, Arkansas. Help for today. Hope for tomorrow.